We're going all in by launching a campus in Groves, uh, but also a way you can go all in is by just inviting people to church, just engaging by inviting people to church. Four weeks a year, we do at the movies. Uh, Jesus uh, picked up a coin, he looked at a child, he talked, uh, he, he turned water into wine, he, he told stories, and m at the movies is like modern day parables, uh, taking uh, movies and finding biblical truths and attaching that. Uh, it is our, beyond Christmas and Easter, our biggest series of guests, where guests come, it's so low-hanging fruit for you to invite someone to come to church. We're gonna have fun, but we're also gonna have some incredible opportunities for people to find and follow Jesus. So be thinking now who you might invite to at the movies. We continue on in our series, Win in Rome, and this is my 15th installment uh, going through, inch by inch, through the book of Romans. And it's really like the constitution for the Christian. It is the way of living life. And to start today, we've gotta to go back in time about 21 weeks. Let's go 21 weeks into when we started this series in April. And I asked this question. I asked the question, what was the secret to Paul's success? The Apostle Paul, who wrote more books in the New Testament than any other author, he was a uh, Christ follower persecutor. He was against the way. He was against Christianity, but he had a Jesus encounter. It revolutionized his life, and he spent the rest of his life and would die giving his life for the cause of Christ. What made him such a huge success? Well, we answered it 21 weeks ago, and to remind you, it was his travel companion. And I don't mean his uh, buddy. I don't mean Titus. I don't mean Timothy. I don't mean Barnabas. I mean, his true travel companion was the Holy Spirit. And he talks about his relationship with the Holy Spirit through every single book, every letter that he writes to the different people and to the different churches. And that's what life is meant to live with you and me. If you bow a knee to Christ, if you become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you are meant to live in tandem with the Holy Spirit, that you are not doing your own dance anymore. And like, hey, I know that he says walk this way, but I, I've got my own theories and I'm gonna walk this way because sin separates us from God and sin is walking my way in any way instead of God's way. That's what sin is. And so really you can think of like the tandem bicycle where we are meant to be in this thing together and, and just you know like newsflash, he ought not to be the one in the back. He ought to be the one guiding. And we're on for an incredible ride. Unfortunately, many of us, this is how life looks with the Holy Spirit. We're like, go this way. And we're like, man, I really like to do it my own way. We talked about last week how that can be a challenge for all of us in our old nature and new nature. But we gotta live in tandem. I went and I'm told you about this 21 weeks ago to remind you a few years ago for my birthday. I don't know because it was my, my wife hated me or loved me, but she sent me skydiving. And I didn't go solo. I went tandem. It was tandem skydiving. I was connected. This was the guy that I skydoved with. And I want you to know that's a face of confidence right there. Yeah. What's up? This one. Oh yeah, we're gonna do this. I don't know what the guy was doing behind me if he was checking on the stability of the plane. I saw this later. But there was something crazy that happened. Like this is me in tandem with the Holy Spirit when everything's good, when everything's flying high. 
when the door is shut, when there's a pilot, when I am in a perfectly good airplane. But there are times in my life as a Christ follower being in tandem with the Holy Spirit that the door opens up and we're supposed to go somewhere and I'm not feeling it anymore. And I'm going, (laughs) has this been your experience also? Where now the Holy Spirit wants to invite us into some territory that is unknown and into some things that we say God is good, but this don't feel very good. And now there's a curveball, there's a right turn, there's a detour, and we're like, no, 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 no. My confidence dropped quicker than me out of the airplane. In that moment, there was this let go of the airplane moment, and I truly had to trust my guide. I truly had to trust who I was tethered to. And that moment came fast. And before you knew it, though, there was this incredible, peaceful moment that took place. Scared to death into, whoa, wow, this is what it's like, man. Just to, just to feel that moment, thousands of feet up in the air. And 21 weeks ago, I wanna reiterate today, Paul's letter to the Romans is gonna show me how to live in tandem with the Holy Spirit. If this just shows you some helpful hints on how to live a better life, you're gonna miss it. It's a life connected with the Holy Spirit. And at salvation, When you receive Jesus, he breathes his spirit into you. You you, you have the spirit of God when you get saved and you invite, you choose to follow Jesus. He breathes his spirit into you and gives you new life. You are born again. And now living in tandem means I just don't go solo anymore. I don't have to walk alone. And Romans eight that we've been in over the last couple of weeks, good news, Good news about Romans 8, as I've said every time we've talked about it, it is the greatest chapter in the Bible. It doesn't mean it's more anointed than any other chapters, but it is just, it's so power packed. It's so chalked full of incredible good news for you. If you want to live in tandem with the Holy Spirit, this from verse 1 to verse 38, it is the life I was meant to live. He is going to unpack. Chapter 7, chapter 7, Paul says, if you remember, we've talked about this. He says, why do I do the things I don't want to do? Why, why am I doing the things I hate instead of the things that I know you love, God? Oh, what a wretch I am. How am I going to do this? Like, he is saying, I'm in trouble because this old nature is in me and I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't live like that. And Romans 8 is the answer. It's like, this is the life you were meant to live. And I wonder, for those of you that have decided to follow Jesus, are you really living that life? I mean, when you take some inventory of the shelves of your everyday morning and evening, you're getting up life and going to work life, you're going to sleep and waking up life, like, is it tethered to the Holy Spirit? If it is, what should it look like? And here's what's crazy about church and culture, that outside of the church, Christians 
are dealing with the same stuff that the culture's dealing with, and many times they're responding the exact same way. And if you're in tandem with the Holy Spirit, you are meant to have a different response. It doesn't mean that when you're in church or tethered to the Holy Spirit, that you will never face the same issues that culture does. It means that you don't have to face them in the same way that culture does. And this chapter, as we gallop through the whole thing today now, from start to finish, I wanna give you seven markers, seven uh, identifiers. If you were to pull out your, your, your spirit driver's license and there were to be descriptors of your life on that driver's license in tandem with the Holy Spirit, this is what your, your life should, could, and can, and will look like, okay? This is what it can look like. By the end of today, if your life doesn't look like this, good news, Jesus meets us right where we are, and he's got grace on grace on grace to give you a fresh start today. So, the life I was meant to live, let me give you seven of them, there's so many, here's the first one. Number one, the life you were meant to live is a life without condemnation that you don't have to walk in shame anymore. Jesus bore your shame on the cross. If you have asked Jesus to forgive you, you may have felt guilty over something, but if you've asked him to forgive you, your sin is washed away. If you're still feeling bad about it, that's not God, that's shame. He does not want you to live in shame any longer. Okay, it's time for plan B now. Plan B becomes plan A. There is no condemnation. In fact, that's how Romans 8 starts. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Now, notice that statement, in Christ. Do you know that the Apostle Paul very rarely uses the word Christian? He, when he describes someone who's following Jesus, he talks about those of you who are in Christ, what does in Christ mean? That when God looks at you, he doesn't just see you and your imperfections that continue to happen because your old nature doesn't go away even when your new nature takes over. But he sees you in Christ. You are covered in Christ. You are sheltered in Christ. If you're not living for Jesus, if you've not stepped over the line of faith, if you've not bowed a knee for Christ, this isn't for you. I want you to hear today what could be yours, but this isn't yours. If you're just a good person, this isn't you. You will, you will experience condemnation. You will experience shame. And even Christians that bow, that bow a knee to Christ, you'll experience it too. But good news is you don't have to live in that because there is someone who bore your shame for you. You don't have to live in that shame anymore. As, as a matter of fact, John 3.16 is super popular. John 3.16, we've seen it uh, in churches and signs in, in, in WWE. Like, you know, I mean, it is Royal Rumble and revival services. John 3.17 is a little lesser known verse, and here's what it says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So if God would scoop up the most valuable treasure in heaven and spend it, him, on you and on me, and not do it so that you would feel condemned, you ought to be living a life without condemnation. Furthermore, if God didn't send his one and only son to condemn the world, who do you think you are condemning the world on Facebook? 
if God didn't come to condemn them, why are you condemning them? We, 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 we have a matter of talking about hope in Christ, not just kicking people in the teeth with the Bible. We ought to be known for, for who he is, not just what our soapbox is. Have an opinion. Be passionate about it. Talk shop. But don't go into the world to condemn it because that's not what God came into the world to do either. Can I give you good news today? For those of you, life without condemnation, tethered to the Holy Spirit, that means God is not mad at me. You don't have to walk into the church thinking, oh, the wall's gonna cave in. You don't have to be thinking that he is just waiting to slap you in, a, in the face with a belt when you get to heaven or don't make it to heaven. Like he is not mad at you. Do you have to cross the line of faith to be in heaven? Yes, yes. Church these days are giving a trophy to everybody. It's like, hey, you get a trophy, you get a trophy. Oh, you know what? Boys will be boys. Like, like grace is a gift to be received, not just to be talked about. And you have to cross that line and choose to follow him and let his way be over your way in any way, whether it be convenient or inconvenient. But you can also hold this true. God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. You don't have to wear that, that shame like that anymore. It's a life without condemnation. I wonder... I wonder if the culture stiff arms Christianity and, 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 and Christians, not because of Christ, but because we still live with condemnation. So if we're living the way the world's living, what's the difference? We gotta, we gotta receive that in faith and walk without condemnation, everybody. Number two, it's a life without domination. I mean, headlock. By, by, by the old self. But yet in Romans, the Apostle Paul talks about this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, that old self that creeps up every now and again and Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays. You think about sinful things. Well, of course you're gonna have a life that's dominated by sin if you keep thinking about stuff that is sinful. Of course, man, I really, I really, I said Jesus helped me, but I just couldn't stop thinking about her. Well, you can say Jesus helped me, but you, if, you don't, if you don't take captive those thoughts, as I talked about last week, that you, you, gotta, you gotta set a trap for your thoughts because they gonna run wild. They're gonna run you wild. They're gonna run you into the wrong direction. They're gonna run you into Rhonda. <laughs> and you gotta take those thoughts captive. You gotta teach those thoughts. You gotta train those thoughts. You gotta sit them down in the school and say, mm -mm, listen, uh -uh, we don't think like that anymore. That's not, that, that, is, that is who I used to be. That ain't me. That ain't me. That was old me. This is the new me. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If those that are controlled by this Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. You, you know, we used to say things like, you can't go to the movies. You better not be listening to none of that secular music and whatnot. If you're gonna laugh, you better just laugh at how dumb the devil is. You don't be laughing in church. It's a holy moment. Or you're going to hail. And you know what? We, we made that all about the behavior, and so we made it going to the movies was a sin versus go to the movies. I go to the movies, okay? Like, like the, 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 but I also know the more I put into my mind that is not pleasing to God, 
Can I still be secure in salvation? Yes. Can I also be setting a trap for me to be thinking about the wrong things and falling into my own traps that I'm setting for myself? Yes. So listen, I mean, turn on Kicks 105, all right? Enjoy the country music. But if you aren't also creating the kind of diet that infiltrates your soul on the daily of the things of God, you are going to be dominated by thinking other things. You, 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 you think that it's not a big deal, but the stuff that goes in and out your brain all the time makes a difference in your life. So it's not a heaven and a hell thing, but it is a controlled by the spirit, controlled by sinful things thing. So if all I'm doing is sex, stuff, power, get it, get it, get it. Simple things. Like if it's going to be, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. What? But hear me, hear me. It's just the club, it's just the music. I just, I, it, you know, it's not. You are going to become dominated by those things at some point. Nobody's throwing a stone. I'm trying to throw your rope, okay? Good news, sin doesn't control my life anymore. Sin doesn't have to control your life and it doesn't control. If you have bowed a knee to Jesus, you are tethered with the Holy Spirit. Sin doesn't have to have like, a, like its fangs in you anymore. There's a new creature, new creation. and You don't have to be dominated by that old self. Is it gonna creep up? Yeah, does it creep up in my life? You bet, it's called Thursdays. But I'm not, I don't wanna be dominated by that. Okay, number three, it's a life without desperation. Where we're, we're hanging on for dear life because we just don't know. Hey, can I talk to some, just some sour negative Nancys in the house? Where every time you have a conversation with somebody, you are the Debbie Downer on SNL. You are like, I know, but it's only a matter of time. It's like, how's it going? Well, beyond that, the, you know, my dog is sick. Well, your dog is saying, that's, that's terrible. Yeah, I know, but then also, what's gonna be next? Like, dude, you don't have to live with, like, like, in desperate times all the time. You can live a life without desperation. Now, let me break this down for you. Scripture says in verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In other words, you're gonna suffer. You cross the line of faith and you become a Christ follower, Will there be times where it rains on you? Yeah, yeah. Becoming a Christ follower is no guarantee of a perfect life. It's a guarantee of a perfect God. But it is gonna rain on the just and the unjust. You, there will be suffering. In this world, you will have troubles. Jesus himself said it. So the question I wanna ask you is when you became a Christian, did God take away all your problems, yes or no? No, of course not. If you say yes, well, then you must have got saved two seconds ago. Just, just wait. <laughs> You're gonna have problems. But your problems don't have to have you. You can, you can face suffering, but suffering doesn't have to dominate 
you. Therefore, we, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Like there's some outward external circumstances on us. There's doctor's reports and there's bad news and there's hurts and there's evil in this world. And he, Paul's, Apostle Paul says, but our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Pause. Now, if I'm reading that and I'm going through some crap in my life, that kind of feels a little, who do you think you are, Paul? I mean, look at that. Our light and momentary troubles. As a pastor, I stand in the intersection of beautiful moments like baby dedications and also tough moments in the children's hospital, praying for a miracle for a baby. Awesome moments where kids come back from camp excited about starting a Jesus club in their school. We're starting several Jesus clubs in our schools through the Timber Creek Youth, everybody. That's pretty cool. And yet in the last 50 days, one of our own teenagers is killed in a car wreck. And our light and momentary, don't call that light. Don't, don't even think that that's momentary because that's heavy and it's dark and it's deep and it's, and it's hard. Apostle Paul's not trying to play light with your emotions. He's not trying to play light with your sufferings. But I wanna remind you what Paul had already been through. He's not just writing from his beach villa in Corfu, Greece. By this time that he's writing this book, he had been imprisoned in Philippi. He had been chased out of Thessalonica for his life, smuggled out of Rhea because they were gonna kill him. He had been laughed out of Athens. He had been shipwrecked three times. One time he was afloat on driftwood for over a day in sea, not at sea, in the sea. He was beaten five times. He was stoned two times. God provided for him in the middle of all that. And so when he says these light and momentary troubles, just know he's, he's been through a lot. He's been through a lot. But he's trying to show us, he's trying to show this that in the middle of that, there is still hope. As a matter of fact, you can jot it down somewhere. No situation is hopeless. No situation is hopeless. These are the benefits of tandem with the Holy Spirit, everybody. That I don't have to grieve like everybody else grieves. That when I hit the mark that it's been 30 days since my son passed away, that it's also 30 days that he has been worshiping at the feet of God. No situation is absolutely hopeless. There can still be hope, number four. It's a life without miscalculation. God's not upstairs going, oh man, ugh, messed up on that guy, messed up on that girl. Whew, didn't see that one coming, Gabriel. Like God is not miscalculating. 
He knows before the foundations of the earth were formed, he already knew the treasure he would spend on you, his one and only son. And the good news is you can write it down somewhere. God never makes a mistake. You may feel like you've made mistakes because you have, but you aren't a mistake and he never makes a mistake. And God doesn't say, ooh, I missed it. I forgot about you. I wasn't there when you were going through that. And there is a famous scripture. As a matter of fact, it's so famous, the three amigos would say it's infamous. When talking about El Guapo, the, the evil villain in the story of three amigos, the three amigos say he is infamous. What does that mean? Really, really famous. No, it means infamous, terrible, terrible, terrible. And this scripture is actually so famous, it's become a little infamous. Now, let me read it to you. I just want you to just take it in for a second, okay? Just, just, just hang with me. So scripture says, Romans 8, and we know that all things happen for a reason will turn out good for those who love him. Amen, everybody? Don't say no, don't say amen. Don't say amen, because that's not what it says. But you've heard a version of that. You've heard a time or 12 that we know that all things happen for a reason and will turn out good for those who love him. But that is not scripture. As a, as a matter of fact, let me call that not Romans 8.28, okay? I'll call that not Romans. So let's look at this and let's compare it to the actual verse. This is, this is why it's important that we hide the word of God in our heart instead of what someone says might be the word of God or what we might have heard a few times and, and it, can, it can become on repeat because it sounds good, but it doesn't give us the hope we really need. So let me show you the real scripture. And we know that in all things, so do all things happen for a reason? No. In all things, he's not even talking about the thing He's talking about in the middle of it, when things happen. In the middle of all things, when you are in Christ and you're facing all the things. God works those things good? No, no, no. God works for the good of those. The situation may not be good. The circumstances don't feel good. They are good. And how could a good God let this thing happen? And I don't know. I know that there are some things that happen because they are from God. And there are some things that happen because they are from you. Like there are some things you did and you say, why, why, why'd you let this happen, God? Because, you, because honestly, you were dumb. You did something dumb and you're paying the concert. You're paying the dumb tax. There are other things that the enemy, he's a real enemy and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And do you know that there are other stuff? So you got the box that things happen because Jesus ordains it. There's other things that happen because you did it. There are things that happen that the enemy does. And then there's this fourth box. It's because we live in a fallen world where hurricanes and tornadoes Rx and cancer. We, we, we can't handle that box. We can't handle that box. So we, we got to figure it out. In fact, churches tried to figure it out. So, so we then start saying, well, you know, I wonder if there's um, unrepentant sin in your life. 
I wonder if it's because you have sin in your life because God's not answering that prayer. It must be because you have sin. So we wanna make sense of everything. In the book of Revelation, it's a prophecy about the future heaven and earth, the future heaven. And there's this moment in one of the chapters where John the Revelator is writing this scene of the throne room of God, a holy place, amen? And the throne room of God, where God is on the throne and the Holy Spirit is to the left and Jesus is to the right hand of God, that in the orchestra pit or in the altar area, it, the Bible says that the martyrs are there. The martyrs have gathered. Martyrs are those that have died for having faith in Jesus. They were in a country that said Jesus is Lord and they were assassinated because they believed in Jesus. That's martyrs. And if you think that that was just in Bible times, there are martyrs being killed for the gospel of Christ every single day across the world. And you know what they're saying? In heaven, in the throne room, in front of God, the Bible says, here's what they are saying. They are saying, when will our blood be avenged? That's what they're saying. Whoa. I can't tell you why. I can't answer every question as your pastor. It gives me great comfort though to know in the most holiest of holiest place, God still lets you ask questions. That you may not have always the answer but you can't have the presence of the one who is the answer. When will it be avenged? Not yet. Someday it will be. And they're waiting and they're asking a question in heaven. So when you have a question because you're suffering and it feels like life has been miscalculated, ask God your questions. Find your own little throne room. Find your own little altar area. And you can say, why, God, this isn't, this isn't right. Cry out to God. He's big enough and strong enough. But the good news is when I'm tandem with the Holy Spirit, those things that could crush me don't have to crush me. That he can work for the good of those who have loved him and those who have been called according to, to what? His purpose. Now, what is his purpose? Now we go a little layer deeper. Let rest of the time we have, I'm gonna jump through these. So hang on for dear life. Here we go. First, in this Romans 8, we get this scripture that is not only a famous verse, but it's also a theologically famous verse, meaning that there's a lot of theology behind this verse. And different denominations look at this verse differently. And I'll show, I'll show you a different view of this verse. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Some denominations will take this scripture and will say that there are a certain amount of people that have been elected. There's a certain amount of people that have been chosen, a certain amount of people that have been decided upon already that they will be the Christians. And if you weren't elected, if you weren't foreknew, foreknown and predestined, which is kind of a predestination theology, an election theology, that if you weren't predestined to be conformed to the image of the son, that you're out. So no matter what you do, just the sovereignty of God has already chosen those will be in heaven and those that won't. Okay, that's not what we ascribe to at Timber Creek Church. Now there is enough room for there to be differences of opinion 
but that's one that we're real passionate about. Like there's, there's, you, you, you can believe there's a predestination or an elect, um, but, but I want you to know that here's what we believe this scripture means. For those that God foreknew, before you were even formed in your mama's womb, he knew you. He had plans on your life. He already foreknew that. A weather forecaster, he can see signs and he foreknows the weather. But guess what the forecaster doesn't do? He doesn't make it rain. He can forecast the rain. He forecasts the rain, but he doesn't make it rain. God forecasts that everybody is destined to be conformed to his son. He doesn't make you be conformed to his son because that's your choice. Otherwise, you're a robot. Otherwise, there is no free will. You choose to be conformed to his son. Let me show it to you this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that those that were elected, those that were predestined, that whoever, do you know what the word whoever in the Greek means? Whoever, that's who it means, whoever, anybody. It means y'all, and he's Texan. It means whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So he foreknew that every one of you being made in his image ought to know him and make him known and love him because he first loved you and that there was nothing that could separate you from him. But if you don't want to live for him, he won't make you live for him. And if you don't want to be conformed to the image of his son in Christ-like convictions and character and conduct, he's not going to twist your arm. He's not going to drive you like a slave driver. He's going to be the ultimate servant to you. He's still willing to wash your feet. In fact, before you ever got it right, he would die for you whether you chose him or not. So you've got to choose. This is good news. Good news. Nothing's miscalculated. If you've not given your life to Jesus, today could be the day that you step over the line of faith. First time or maybe the first time in a long time because let's be honest, you've drifted. You're doing things your way. These things I'm describing, they're not describing your life because there's still that old nature and God will meet you right here, right now. Before you go to your cars, he will meet you. He is already meeting you. Just stop for a minute. If there's something that you're dealing with right now, and even the words that I'm saying right now, there's, there's a tenderness there. That ain't Jeremy. That's Jesus. That's Jesus wanting to speak to you, tailoring to fit your exact specifications. Although the Holy Spirit is speaking to each person uniquely and individually, he is also speaking something tailored to fit you because he sees you and he loves you and he wants to be in tandem with you. Quickly, number five, it's a life without intimidation. You don't have to walk intimidated by the things of the flesh. What, 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 Paul says. What then shall we say in response to these things? All this stuff. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, that dad you wish would have said what he never said, it don't matter. He cannot be against you. Don't let him be against you. If God is for you, who can be against you? The answer is nobody. They cannot hold you back from who Jesus is. 
Who then is the one who condemns? No one, because there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Christ Jesus who died. I mean, more than that, he's raised the life. He's at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's not just at the right hand of God saying, yeah, what? I'm God, son. It says that Jesus is spending his time in heaven interceding over you, praying over you. Some of you been living your life thinking that Jesus is in heaven with his arms crossed waiting to slap you up and yet he's praying over you. No, 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 no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Wow. What does that mean to be someone who's more than a conqueror? Because who it was that conquered death, who conquered your enemy, you, you, now, you now, you have the victory over that enemy. You don't have to live defeated anymore. Good news, God loves me. And some of you need to know that, and you do know it, but you have forgotten that God also likes you. He just like, he likes you. God loves me, but all you can see is God loves me, but I better get my junk better. Because he's just, he's, he's not really just likes you. And you know what? He's for you. This is the kind of God that you have access to. Number six, it's a life without limitation. You don't have to be limited by the things you have or the things you don't have. Here's what he says, Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son. So like he didn't, like I said, he didn't just spend like the, the sticky change in your cup holder for you. He spent his son for you. He spent, he lavished upon you the greatest expense ever. How will he not also, along with him, the greatest thing you could ever receive is him, graciously give us all things. Does he give you all the things that you pray for? No. Does he give you all that you want? No. But God does want to meet all my needs. If his eye is on the sparrow, his eye will be on you. This is the life you could be living. It's the life you should be living. Number seven, I'm gonna give it to you in just a minute. But before I give it to you, before I give it to you, you are creatures of habit. And the moment I give you this last fill in the blank, you're thinking about roast. You're thinking about Sonic. Just chill. Let me say it in King James, chilleth thyself. I'm gonna give it to you, but hang on. Don't start putting stuff up and getting ready to try and beat the crowd to kid works, okay? Because the next three minutes, I believe, are all this is culminating to the, these next three minutes. Jesus is here. He is more than able. Anything is possible. He is meeting us right now. Don't miss it. Number seven, it's a life without separation. Look what Paul says. He ends this greatest chapter in the Bible. I mean, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ then? I do what I don't wanna do. I hate that I'm doing that thing. Oh, what a wretch, who will save me? Oh, Jesus will, he will, he does, he has, it's finished. He's bought my debt and paid for it. Who will separate me from the love of Christ? Now look that he says who. 
That means he's personifying it. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, those aren't persons, those are things, but they can feel, feel very personal, can't they? And so we start looking at ourselves. We start looking at the enemy because the enemy wants to provide these things for us as well. But you can't think of this God as an energy force field. You can't think of him as a rabbit's foot or a lucky charm. He's personal. He's personal. So what things can separate me from God? Is it famine or hardship or trouble or suffering? Is it, is it the condemnation or the domination or the desperation or the limitations or the separations or the miscalculations or the intimidations? No, the greatest chapter in the Bible is very clear. The greatest chapter in the Bible is very clear that there is good news that I will never have to walk alone. So let me finish with this. I have been a Colorado Buffaloes fan for days, okay? Days. And some of you have too, and you've jumped on the bandwagon. Watching Coach Prime lead this university from one and 11 to now three and oh. Last night I stayed up as late as I, I could. I had to get in bed. Uh, Sunday starts at, at four o'clock for me. And, and uh, I get up, I do my stuff, I get prepared. And I am most every single day, whether it's Timberland Drive or Daniel McCall, I'm usually the very first coffee ordered at, at Starbucks. I'm barely even a Christian until I've had at least five shots. I just, I'm sorry, but that's just, that's, he's still working on me, okay? And uh, so this morning, uh, you can't order early at Daniel McCall at five o'clock. You can't get there at 5.05, but you can get to Timberland at 5.05 because they open at five and Daniel McCall on Sundays open at 5.30. So they pray for them, pray for them. <laughs> Long story short, uh, last night I went to bed at halftime and it was an incredible game if you didn't watch it. Went into double overtime, the Buffaloes ended up uh, you know, winning. This morning I get up and, and I, I asked Alexa, Alexa and some of you are like, oh dear God, he's got the Antichrist up in there. You know that thing's listening to you. That's a different sermon. That's a different sermon. Shut up. But I will tell you, it's creepy. It's creepy because I've got the Alexa in the kitchen and if you whisper to it, it's freaky. It will whisper back. It's, it's weird. It's weird. Try it. You may not have whisper mode on. I do, but it's weird. I say, because everybody's asleep in the house. Alexa, who won the Colorado Buffaloes game last night? And Alexa will come back to you. It was an amazing moment. Like it'll start whispering to you. <laughs> but in double overtime, they, they beat them. So on my way to get Starbucks, I turned on the, the press conference on my phone and I listened to Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, give his press conference, answered several different questions and, and really cool. But there was this moment in like the first quarter or second quarter where he's got two sons playing for him, uh, Shadur and Shiloh. Shadur's the quarterback, Shiloh's on defense. And Shiloh had a pick six. He intercepted a ball, ran it in for, for six points. And uh, a news reporter asked Deion Sanders this question. Uh, Coach Prime, when your son Shiloh caught that pick six, you were running down the sidelines and he ran over to you and you guys hugged and, and you had a moment, like you were hanging on to him and he was hanging on to you. Can you, can you tell us about that? And 
I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm on the bandwagon or maybe because the Holy Spirit showed me something in this. You never know where you're gonna get a message. I started crying in the car this morning because I believe some of you need to hear this today. Here's how Coach Prime answered this question. He said, yeah, I haven't ran that, long, that fast in a long time. He said, I'm coach, now, I'm coach, and everybody knows that. Here's what he said. But every now and then, I'm dad. And that wasn't a coach moment, that was a dad moment. And I, I grabbed him and, and we just had a father-son moment. Timber Creek, please hear me. Everybody, every location, please just hear me so clearly today. There's some of you, that the only way you see God is as a judge or as a coach. And every now and then, you've experienced him as a father. I just want you to know you got it twisted. He will guide you, he will coach you, he will judge you. He's your father, he's your dad. And he's a good dad. And he cheers you on. And he runs after you. And he meets you where you are. And he wants to have conversations with you that nobody else is going to know about. Because you're his kid. And oh, if you would just start living like you were a child of God and not a soldier in God's army. If you would just start living like you were a child of God and... Not, not just like a sheep to a shepherd, even though that's what you are. I wish a long time ago, years ago, I could have seen myself that way too. I wasn't just a, a, a pastor and doing God's work, but I was just a kid in dad's arms. Because I struggle with so many things. Afraid that coach was gonna put me out that the judge was just going to judge me. And he is the judge. And I got to understand that. But you got to know it too. You're a kid. You're a, you're a kid to him. My daughter's 20 years old and she came home from college this weekend and she, she came and she, she ran and she she jumped in my lap. I was laying on the couch and she jumped in my lap and I'm holding her and I just, all I can think of is her having her night night. And me just rubbing her, just rubbing her back as her dad, as a two year old. And she's 20. She's bigger than a two year old now. But still very light, still very light. But you don't get old and all mature and all like at the same level. You're a kid and you got to trust your, your father. You got to walk in tandem with the Holy Spirit. That's the gift he gives you himself in you and through you and for you and around you and behind you and above you and below you. But until you, you, until you see yourself as a child of God, you are going to struggle. Stop. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. 
is a good father. And he calls you to just jump in with him today. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Is that you? Do you need a father today? A heavenly father that will never leave you or forsake you, never turn his back on you, never miscalculate, never leave you stranded, never turn his back. If you wanna be his child, he wants to be your father. He created you, you're a creation. But those that choose to believe and receive him, they receive the right to become children of God. Is that what you need today? At all of our locations, you say, yeah, I think I've been more like God is this force field or God is just God and it's the big man upstairs and I, I need him as my heavenly father to forgive me and follow and for me to follow him. If that's you, no hesitation, just put a hand up in the air. That's what I need today. I need him as my heavenly father today. Yeah. Here, Nacogdoches, Groves, Online, Duncan, Dieball, Iglesia, Duncan, Iglesia, Timber Creek. Yeah, I needed that too. And I need that reminder every day. Thank you, thank you. I still see hands coming up. You can put them down. You can in your own words say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much. You gave me this opportunity to become a child of God. God, thanks for not being mad at me or seeing Jesus through me and not all my junk in my past. I wanna follow you. I don't wanna live intimidated and dominated, and limited, separated. I don't wanna live like that. Thank you, Lord, that I, I now have your Holy Spirit breathing in me. Help me to follow you. For those of you that you're not accepting Christ, but you have not been living in all of those promises, can I pray for you? Jesus, thank you that you receive us where we are, not where we should be. We don't gotta go back and fix seven things. You make all things new. We, we repent, we change our mind. We don't wanna live in the flesh, we wanna live for you. Thank you for your grace on grace on grace today. It gives me this moment to start fresh with you yet again. As a kid with a loving dad, I receive it and I receive you. All God's people said, amen.